Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of The Brown Print with me, Carrie Champion. And that's right. I said season two because this time around, there's a twist on The Brown Print. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some really accomplished people, folks you've seen, maybe some folks you've never heard of before, but they always have one thing in common, how they were able to come back. I want you to be inspired. I want you to see people who are just like me and you, and they figured it out. I hope they act as a guide. I hope you feel as if you're being mentored. I hope, in fact, that you feel like you're getting direction. Welcome to season two of The Brown Print, The Comeback. I could see myself in a pit trying to get out, just feeling so heavy that when I would make one step, the weight would just pull me back down. And the weight just felt more comfortable than healing. Michelle Williams is a Grammy-winning singer, actress, and author. She got her start at a local church and as a background singer for none other than Monica. She came on the scene when she joined Kelly Rowland and Beyonce in Destiny's Child. And of course, they became one of the most successful groups of all time, with multiple number one records and millions of albums sold. Since the group went their separate ways nearly 15 years ago, gosh, I'm old, Michelle has made a name for herself on the theater stage and in gospel music. However, sometimes success can't fill other voids. Michelle has been vocal about her struggles with depression, anxiety, and even suicidal thoughts. She wrote a book called Checking In about that journey. Today, we chat about all of her challenges, triggers, and things that she's doing to make sure that she can help others. You really will enjoy this edition of The Brown Print. Dun, 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 dun. Michelle, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Carrie. I would love to start, um, and correct me if my dates are wrong, 2018, when you when you said in your book, so eloquently wrote about being who you were and what you had experienced struggling with depression um, and so honest. I would like to start with the idea of what the world saw and what you were dealing with. Outside, there's this beautiful, successful woman, um, and people always equate fame and money as happy. you should be happy. Um, and that's just not always the case, as we now realize. So can you talk to me about the moment you knew that you had to check into a place to take care of yourself? Um, I was it was just so dark and heavy. I felt so hopeless and I was just comfortable with the idea of death and um, dying by suicide. And um, I was vacillating because I knew that if I did that, I knew what it would do to the people that would be left behind. Then a part of me was like, I don't care. (laughs) But when it got down to the main thing being the main thing, I wanted to live. But I, I feel like thoughts of death were so comfortable and then escape. I think some people at the end of the day want to, some don't necessarily want to escape life. They just want to escape life as they know it, pain, discomfort, hopelessness, feeling alone. Um, That's what it was for me was just pitch black, (laughs) you know, dark. When people talk about suicide and they talk about depression, it's so it's so like, so we got to keep it really quiet. How did you find the. I don't know, the intestinal fortitude to share that story. Like with unapologetically. So in 2013 is when I first publicly disclosed depression. 
But it wasn't until 2017 that I actually said, oh, it mm-hmm. included thoughts of suicide. And of course, by the time it, everything just went bonkers in 2018, I was like, I don't care. I don't care anymore. And if it's to save a life and to let people know that they're not alone and um, that you can live, to me, you should live. It does get better. Um, even as it relates to like the career that you take on, I don't care. I didn't ask for permission to do what I do. So why am I going to ask for permission to help someone? My instinct would be to keep secrets. Mm. What kind of response did you receive? Um, responses more so of thank you because of Michelle, because of you, I'm, I'm not ashamed to go to therapy. I'm not ashamed to talk about what I'm going through to family and friends. Um, and to me, as they say, you, you, you heal what you reveal. So not only, not only do I heal in me, but I help heal what's in others. You heal what you reveal. Yeah. Because it's like people like, oh, she's still standing. She didn't go away in a vapor when she talked about her struggles. Oh, she, and she's still working. She's still smiling. She's still looking great. She's still doing her thing. But from a place of wholeness and healing, I want that too. Mm, that's real. When you heal what you reveal. Amen. Um, I, <laughs> I think now when I look at what you are doing and have been able to do, how did that help work for you? And by work, I mean, how did it help your professional life, even your personal life? How did that change how you moved in this world? I think it helped me find my true purpose and passion. Um, I love music, but it's something about putting my two feet on the ground, knowing that I'm about to go do a, a speech for a mental health summit, a podcast about it. I sang for someone yesterday for, uh, what is it, my friends over at UBS, right? That's a given. I can do that in my sleep. But it's something about using my words to help transform people's lives. That's my purpose. Mm. I found purpose. Wow. So you think, and by the way, it's also the same as said for what you're singing. Like it, it transforms people's minds and spirit, right? Yeah, it absolutely. I mean, I mean, Destiny's Child and myself, we, we have gotten testimonies of songs like Survivor and Story mm. of Beauty, Changing Lives. It's beautiful to find your purpose and, and what you're supposed to do. So many of us think this is what I'm, I've been put here to do. And then you wake up one day and you realize, no, actually, this is it. This feels right. This is mm, the assignment. Yes. And now it's understood. When you wrote that book, did you have checking in? Did you have any hesitation in not putting everything in there? Oh, there are a lot of things that were scrapped because I didn't want certain things to be headlines more than mm. um, the intent of the book. Now, some people write books and it's like, no, we need to write this to capture the audience. But I'm sure there are some people that bought my book thinking they were going to get some tea and some gossip. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm not doing that today. I'm, I'm here to share a story. I remember um, this is after I signed with HarperCollins. Someone on my team mentioned another big time publishing house and They were like, yes, we would love to sign her. She going to tell us any stories about Beyonce. Mm. And I was like, this is a book about my mental health journey and to help people with depression. What does she, Kelly, 
or anything in their personal life have anything to do with this. And so I was like, yeah, you're, this is the wrong book. There are certain things even personally or certain things that certain things I saw growing up I, out of respect for those that are still living. Mm. I touched on it, but I was like, this ain't a tell all. Mm-hmm. What I told all was about me and my mistakes and maybe some decisions that weren't wise. I can talk for me, but I am never going to um, put tea in a book just so it can be on the lower third of a mm-hmm. television a show or, mm-hmm. or a headline. I, I've seen so many books get drowned by something that's taken out of context. I, and I hate that. I don't like that feeling. I don't like... I hate feeling like I got to explain to a loved one or a friend, this is what it meant. This is what, no. Uh uh And I've I've heard that a lot. So kudos to you for that. As you uh, have created this, this, I don't know, I don't even want to say 2.0, but this rebirth of yourself, how is it difficult to separate Destiny's Child from who you are now? Or do people still want to, in that same vein, tell me more about that. Tell me mm-hmm. more about that experience. And you're like, hey, I'm here now. I, I, I've, I've reinvented myself. I mean, of course, you know, now it depends. The publicist could come in and say, do not ask any questions about Destiny's Child. <laughs> okay, but I give yeah. room for that one question: Is there ever gonna be a chance? I give room. I give room for that. Okay, and no, we 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 have not had discussions. By so the that's way. not my one question. Then. <laughs> cool, cool. I get I get one more then because now that we know, <laughs> yes, but I know how to se- I I've, I have separated myself. Um, we all have. I think we've separated ourselves from the brand Destiny's Child for a long time. But at the same time, the link is always going to be there. And it's a good link to have. It's a good, it's good stop to come from, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what I what we haven't separated ourselves from is the love, the intention of inspiring, the intention of giving people hope, whether it's through yep. songs yes. we write or books we write. Yep. That link and that intention. That is that's still there um, between all of us. I love that. And what we do um, individually. It's it's interesting when we when we look back on a time when people sing and they and we love these groups and they all mean something. But that was for me watching you all embrace sisterhood and be as beautiful as you were in individuals. I always felt with even within the group, you all were your own people. You know, I do you hear that a lot. Thank you so much. And and I think that's what's made it easy for the for us to step out, you know, individually to do what we do and then come back together, you know, when we have and it's seamless, there's love, there's fun, there's joy. But it it's it has been a joy, a great, um, you know, a great support for me. Um, you got to have the right people. I think you can make it through anything when you've got uh, the right people surrounding you and lifting you up, not judging you. So anybody listening to this, viewing this, um, you just need about two people, two, three people. You know, your therapist and a best friend. That's it. You know, Mm -hmm. you're good. You're Gucci. You had a very public um, engagement and not 
unengagement mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, and just woman to woman, how were you able to, to one, get enough courage to say, which we can see that you're extremely strong. Hey, no, I'm not doing this. I got a TV show coming out. It's very public. Mm-hmm. People know we're together. And then you're like, no, this is not what I want. In this relationship and you, you do what you think is right for you. I think it's so hard for women to make that choice because they want to be chose so many times, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say I'm married. I want to be chose. I, 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 and I've already put this out here publicly, so I can't walk this back. How are you able to mm-hmm. muster the courage and strength to do that? So the hospitalization happened in July and then the, the breakup in um, December. I think had I been resting and not working and filming a reality show, we probably would have been married. Ooh. Yeah. I'm not blaming the show itself. I'm I'm blaming what it did to me physically and mentally. This year, I kind of did the same thing. I loaded up in work, but I made it. Versus I was with safe people this time versus mm. unsafe people in 2018 that eroded everything. I felt like I had hand, I'd say in the book, I felt like I handed my life and career over to a production company to do whatever they wanted to do. Um, I will say in that time, it, it, I didn't make the decision off of I've got to do what's best for me. I was not in the right state of mind. What do you mean by that? Oh, I was I was a wreck. It was a place where um, what did the psychiatrist say? She said you had a either psychotic breakdown or a neurotic something. And things that were said or done. I'll never forget. Y'all got to get the book, by the way. Yes, because I'm like, <laughs> I'm right there. So one nugget was um, Kelly said, you were so mean to me. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you don't remember me calling you and praying for you? I was like, no. And it caused her to weep. I've never mm-hmm. been mean. Um, I had another cousin that was like, you don't remember me um, coming to your spot in New York? I laid in the bed with you. I was playing praise and worship. I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. And my ex-fiance, you know, when, when and if he's ready to talk, um, if he feels he needs to share his perspective at at any time, you know, we've talked about it. And I'm like, I did that. I said that he was like, yes. Now, that's a very dangerous spot to be in. Um, exhaustion, stress, depression, anxiety, all of that. And I don't know if I if I was in even in the right place spiritually. Mm. I think December was 2.0 of July 2018. Mm-hmm. Since then, it was nonstop therapy, nonstop EMDR to when you suppress things for years, mm-hmm. it can finally come out somehow. And guess what? It might in a relationship might expose it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they're they just they're just on the brunt end of it. He he got hurt because of work that I didn't do prior, thinking that. I just want to get out the house as a little child. I, I, if I could just get out the house and be successful, I ain't ever coming back. Well, what were you escaping from that you don't deal with in your adulthood? 
hurt, grief, loss, anger, all turns into something. So if you'll notice in your adulthood, if you start responding in a certain way, literally, I'm telling you, check back to your childhood. I'm in therapy now. My therapist will all, she'll make these connections for me about things that I do. And I've been in therapy for years, but as you elevate and decide what you want to mm-hmm. be more aware of and who you want to, to walk you through this, this journey, right. That you want to feel safe because it only works if you're fully doing it, right. You can't come in and tell half truths and half that's stories. Right. You got to tell them everything. Right. And so that's the way that that works. And you are right. It, it is completely connected to something that we haven't even felt or even knew. I know in my case, even knew existed. Yep. You said if the show had been going on, you, you would have been married today. Um, instead of filming a reality show, we probably should have been in therapy. Mm. Like even the therapist that we had on the show, we had to divert from the curriculum that we were using pre show because of like licensing and permissions and all that stuff. We had no business filming a reality show. What made us think that we were going to be the couple that made it? Mm. What made us think that? Without being honest about what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't honest with him with my depression. My depression, the symptoms started back in January of 2018. And I didn't say anything to anybody. Why? Because by January, we rehearsed for Coachella. In March, I had got engaged. April, we did Coachella. I didn't want it to be like, oh, God, here we go again. Mm. I just said, you know what to do. And January is when that slide started, that I, I started sliding down that pit and I didn't say anything. I was very transparent with him about depression bef- before we got seriously dating because I was like, I got to be up front with you. But I didn't I didn't tell him anything in 2018 out of fear of him ending the relationship. Oof. And he stood by my side until even he couldn't take it anymore as well. But it was, he did not leave. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, if somebody does leave because of an illness or you lose your job, they are not for you. Let them go. But Chad actually stayed. He actually leaned in like, gosh, I wish you would have told me. Your relationship with him or with people what did that teach you specifically as you try to be in a world? I'm not mm-hmm. saying like, are you dating and who you with? I'm just like, what does that teach you when you try to pursue a relationship with a lifelong partner? What will you do now differently? Anxiety and depression will lie to you and tell you no one will understand. So keep it to yourself. I should have said something. I don't have any other magical potion or theological statement, Carrie, other than open up to someone. While he and I were in premarital counseling, I should have pulled her to the side and said, ooh, doc. But I didn't want her to be like, y'all should postpone this engagement until I I just, I wanted it so bad. I wanted marriage. I, I, I was with the love of my life. I was like, I don't want to mess this up. So yeah, let me smile. My ring was banging. <laughs> <laughs> so... I would think ending it or it being over would spiral into another set of depression. Did that happen for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it took me a while to get out of that, get out of that hump. But I was like, no more. You've got to get up. So that same cousin that came to New York took me back here to Atlanta. And I've been here ever since. Mm. It's been healing for me. 
I'm just kind of now telling people that I'm here in Atlanta. I've been yeah. here since end of 2018. I didn't come wow. here. To, I didn't come here to party. I came here to heal. And you've been doing it. You've I've been doing been the work. Excited and doing the work. No complaints. All is well. That's the hard part. The work. I also think the hard part is getting the message through, especially to black women, that it's okay to say I'm hurt and I'm not as tough as I appear or I'm not as strong as I appear and vulnerability is not a weakness. It is, in fact, something that is sacred and precious and wonderful to share. Mm, Yes. Being transparent and vulnerable. Two different things. Transparency, I'll tell you everything. Vulnerability is you being able to almost feel how I felt going through it or me being able to say I was a wreck going through this. I didn't like going through this. Um, We have to master both. I think when you're able to be transparent, you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Being vulnerable, you're you're putting yourself in danger of rejection. You're putting yourself in danger of wolves coming to um, take advantage of you and your story, exploit it. You're you're that's being vulnerable, open. Because that's the biggest fear. You mentioned being safe. Like if I don't feel safe, I can't share. Yeah. And then sometimes vulnerability requires you to share, regardless of how safe you feel. Absolutely. Like how, how crazy is that? So now you, here you are living to me, what I think is um, doing the work, visibly doing the work. God, that's so hard. We always say it, but it's so hard to do it, right? Consistently do it. Yeah. And sometimes they don't feel good doing the work. Well, what do you mean doing the work? <laughs> constant, constant talking about it, working through it, um, noticing um even after therapy, you go for some days and you decide to go out to eat with somebody. You decide to have somebody come by and they say something or do something or you even smell something that reminds you of something you're healing from. Mm-hmm. Triggers will remind you, ah, I need some healing in that area. I need to process this. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed about a trigger. Just be honest that you have one and work on it mm-hmm. until the mention of their name doesn't trigger you anymore. Mm, the mm-hmm. smell of a certain cologne or perfume doesn't make you go into a whole panic attack. There's a book called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I was dating somebody some years ago and they had a Porsche truck. And I remember whenever I would see a Porsche truck in L.A., my, I would, my stomach would go in knots and I'd feel like I would get sick. There were certain parts of L.A. that I couldn't even drive through or be in. Because it reminded me of him. I read the book and they said, find good things about that situation. Say, as it related to the Porsche truck, I'll never forget. I was I had one on (laughs) pre-order before I met him. So it it made me go back when you used to love Porsche trucks. Uh So why are you going to let this have you? about ready to vomit and have diarrhea because you see one driving down the street. (laughs) Think of something good about California or driving down certain trees. It's like you're reprogramming Mm -hmm. negative thoughts and that have negative um, side effects into something positive. Uh, That is such a a level of emotional intelligence that that is that's rare as a because otherwise you just want to numb the pain. What is the the work uh, in the in the black community that you think needs to be done for with mental health? Do you feel like this has to be the work that you are doing for the community or in general? Absolutely. 
um, I was so excited about um, in November, I was able to speak to there was a uh, a denomination that I grew up in called the Church of God in Christ. And we had a panel it was me, Karen Clark Sheard, um, her daughter, Kiara Sheard and a um, licensed therapist. And it was shown to thousands of people in the church. So where do we not talk about it in the community, in the black community, in our homes and in our churches? Mm. So that you got to penetrate those. Where do black people assemble the most have been in churches? Next would be colleges. Get to the HBCUs, you know, and talk about it. Why don't we talk about it in churches? That's so interesting. I never even thought about that. And and it's so crazy that the church was supposed to be where uh, the imperfect people come, Mm -hmm. the people that are sick come, meaning not just sick physically, but just sick. Sure. But now when you go in church, everybody appears perfect. We fine. You're you're fine. (laughs) And then here you want to come and weep and wail about your problems. Uh-huh. But you don't feel safe because no one else is talking about their problems. Uh-huh. So you just sweep yours under the rug and then you go and how you do it? Girl, bless and highly favorite, but you're, <laughs> suff- you're suffering. <laughs> Girl, black, blessed and highly favored. But okay. Anyway. I mean, first of all, black. That that comes with its own set of problems. Hello. Let's just leave that there. <laughs> Now, there's something amazing that people have talked themselves into being blessed and highly favored. I do agree in, as they say, speak things that are not as though they were. But we were, I was blessed when I was able to walk into the church on my own two feet. That's a blessing, right? But I, I just think, you know, too, it comes from maybe even we had to dress a certain way. Because sometimes that's all we had was our pride and how we had our hair. And how we dress coming from slavery mm-hmm. in that Harlem Renaissance where everybody was sharp. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare talk about your problems. We are OK. Mm-hmm. And you better not tell a white man, a white woman what's going on in this house. What goes on in this house yeah. stays in this house. Well, if you, I don't know a black person that is a rite of passage, you are told, hey, guess what? Keep our business, our business. And that really translates yep. To everything. And it was a way to protect that house. Sure. But if I were to have kids, you probably would say, you probably could say what what goes on in this house stays in this house, but what goes on this house, you're safe to talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. And if it requires help, we will then go to the right person, not people, but the right therapist or the right doctor Mm -hmm. to handle this. It starts with us now, Carrie. Yeah. We decide to have children or with our nieces and nephews or whatever. Like, yo, you could come to me and we gonna handle this. And we can talk about it. We can talk about it. I also think one of the big things in the community is we rarely see vulnerability illustrated in the home. We don't. My mom will be 70 next year. So she grew up in a household where, what you talking about? You need a hug. Don't you got food on the t- you got food on the table, right? You got clothes on your back and shoes on your feet and a roof over your head. What you talking about? Need a hug. I, I, I can count on my hands how many times I've I've never seen my mother be like, you know, I'm really sad. I, it's hard 
being tough all the time and I'm seeing it more and more and you talk about suppressing, I wonder as we go to, as you go and talk about the places where it needs to be talked about, the churches, the HBCUs, um, it does start in the home. I I wonder mm-hmm. if you see a change. I see people definitely like our age and under are very much like, you know, and I have mentees they are like, oh, therapy, I need therapy. I'm, you know, and then I kind of roll my eyes sometimes. I, I have to, and I have to catch myself because I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you 20 years old? What's, why are you upset? But that's a real thing. Yeah. And I have to be able to embrace it because we're talking about it now and we can't dismiss it. You even talked about it in the book, I think. Yes. There was a time where you mentioned it to someone were you in Destiny's Child? That was probably about 20 years ago. I was telling our manager at the time, hey, I think I'm depressed. And he said, um, what do you mean you're depressed? Y'all have albums. You just signed a multimillion dollar deal. Y'all got Barbie dolls. What are you talking about? Now, when we talked about it in 2017, he said, had I known now what I know now about mental health, he was like, I would have never said that. And we would have gotten you the help that you needed. Yeah, because I think people do want you to see the good things that you do have. I don't fault him for that. I'm not mad at him. He was right. Girl, you got everything you could hope for and desire and dream of. So I get it. But I was depressed before I got in the group. My depression started in the seventh grade. I didn't know that that's what it was called. So meaning things and a world tour and a million dollar deal didn't take the depression away. Mm-hmm. I, I still have nicer. I just got nicer things. Yeah. In addition yeah. To- yeah, absolutely. And so I think um, when someone does tell you, hey, now that we know more about it, definitely take it seriously. And if yeah. you can walk, walk with them to their first therapy session, you gonna have to sit in the lobby. But because <laughs> uh, you can't go in their session unless it's about <laughs> you and them. Um, but just really take it Take it seriously when someone tells you, hey, they that they're suffering. To me, it was a natural transition for you as, as a singer to act, to be on Broadway, to be good at that. Um, working uh, on West End, it all makes sense, right? Because back in the day, as a person who loves like old black and white movies, back in the day, you had to be able to do it all. You had to be able to act, sing and dance. You couldn't just show up. That's right. You had to really have those those talents, which you all which you encompass. In addition to this, this loving, this loving, what some would have said was a challenge, which to me has become your blessing and your calling. What's next for you in terms of projects? And do you feel the need to work constantly or work enough or stay in the spotlight, if you will? Um, right now I'm, I'm in a, a great position. You know, I take things that mean a lot to me. And I think just right now, 2022 is going to be a lot of teaching, um, that I'm doing, um, in constant research, just wrapped a movie in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will continue, um, the acting portion for sure. I'd love it. Um, so yeah, I think 2022 and beyond. Um, you'll see just more teaching, more talking, and um, a couple um, entertaining projects. Michelle Williams, you are nothing but a pleasure and a treasure. Black, blessed, highly favored. Yes, <laughs> in that order, in that order. In that order. Love you, girl. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. Thank you for being here. 
So there were some gems in this one, as I say in all, but this was really um, a special podcast for me because I'm very open about my mental health issues in terms of I always want to make sure that I am checking in with myself in a world that doesn't allow you to be vulnerable. And Michelle was nothing but. She said, you heal what you reveal. Share what you're going through. For me, that really hit home. A secret has so much power. And if you decide to keep everything a secret, you'll never be able to get over your problems or your challenges. So remember that. Heal what you reveal. Another takeaway for me was you'll make it through anything if you surround yourself with the right people. For me, right people are safe people, people who allow you to share and not judge you for sharing. That's a safe space. And Michelle consistently talked about being in a safe space. And I'm so grateful that she's been able to do that with us here on The Brown Print. Uh, Last but not least, the difference between vulnerability and transparency. Gosh, and she was able to master both. Vulnerability is making sure that people can feel what you're going through. Transparency simply means you're sharing that story. If you can master both, you're on your way to healing. I hope that you've enjoyed this edition of The Brown Print. Michelle was really wise, very open, vulnerable, and transparent. So that's it for this week's episode of The Brown Print. Let's keep this conversation going online. That's where you can keep it a buck, as the kids say. Follow us on Instagram at The Brown Print Podcast or on Twitter at Brown Print Pod. Follow me, Carrie Champion, on IG and Twitter. Just at my name, Carrie Champion. And if you enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you will, share it with your friends and family and help spread the word. We'd greatly appreciate it also if you showed us some love by leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. Only positive reviews, please. The Brown Print is a Gallery Media Group original production.